Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Every morning should be a morning filled with expectation. A morning where you and I, we just think about waking up and going, what is God going to do in and through me today? It has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I mean, I love doing that. But before I was a pastor, I was a teenager, and then I was a young boy, and then I was a pharmacist, and I was a father, and I was a dad, and I was a husband. And, but before all of that... I was created to follow Jesus Christ. As we progress from the youthful stages of life, each and every one of us is confronted with a common question. What are we meant to do? What is our calling in life? From choice careers to starting a family, each of us faces this age-old contemplation as we reach adulthood in our lives. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark takes this question of calling to a much deeper level. In our study, we'll learn that each and every one of us was created for a much bigger calling than anything this world has to offer. The call to follow Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark for today's edition of Lessons for Living and part one of his message entitled, Don't Miss Life, Get in the Boat. Matthew chapter 8. I want you to see uh, a picture, and somebody you probably remember this individual. Anybody remember him? Michael Jordan, right? Remember, he was called Air Jordan. That's because he's always up in the air, whatever. Well, we have a very creative staff here. And Thursday, they gave me this picture in the office. <laughs> this is Airmark. Here I am. Now, I want you to look at that for a moment. You said, is that why you wear long sleeves to hide up all those muscles? Just Pewitt, just Pewitt. No, when you look at this, what they did was take Michael Jordan's body and put my face on it. Now, we have fun here. And as you look at that, you know, well, you know I wasn't created to be a Michael Jordan. I don't have those skills. I don't have those abilities. I don't have that body. Don't you laugh at me. Some of you can't even bend over and tie your shoe. So I wasn't created to be a Michael Jordan, but I was created for one thing, to follow Jesus Christ. So were you. You see, in that following of Christ is exciting. It's fulfilling. I love 
following Jesus Christ. And as you think about that in your life, every morning should be a morning filled with expectation. A morning where you and I, we just think about waking up and going, what is God going to do in and through me today? It has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I mean, I love doing that. But before I was a pastor, I was a teenager, and then I was a young boy, and then I was a pharmacist, and I was a father, and I was a dad, and I was a husband. And, but before all of that, I was created to follow Jesus Christ. How about you this morning? The reason we just saw a reminder of people without hope it's because they don't understand every single person born, every single one was created to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what brings us hope. That's what brings us fulfillment. That's what brings us excitement. That's what brings us, no matter our age, that's what brings us this incredible blessing in my life every single day. Today I want to remind you that you were called to follow him and to move from a life of simply existing. You see, many people just exist. Every day is the same, boring, routine. I mean, the toys accumulate, but there's no hope because they've missed the very thing that they were created to do living life to the full and that can only be done through Jesus Christ today I want you to go back with me 2,000 years and I want you to put us in a scene where you and I have just heard the message you've just heard the greatest sermon ever preached and then you watched as we learned last week, Jesus healed a, well, a man with leprosy, totally healed. Then a, a man with paralysis, long distance, he didn't even touch him. And then Peter's mom-in-law with a fever, and she got up and served. And boy, the, the crowds were swelling. They'd never seen anything like this. It was, it was absolutely incredible. And people began thinking about this term. I'd like to follow that guy. And so either they would approach Jesus or he would approach them and say, follow me. Well, in essence, he's doing that to you today. He's saying to you, follow me. Well, if you were there 2000 years ago, I don't know what you'd have done, but let's say this morning that you're here and Jesus is walking down these aisles physically. He's here spiritually, but let's say he is. And he said to you, follow me. What would you do? How would you process that in your mind? What kind of things would be going through? Had you thought about this? If I do that, what, what's going to happen tomorrow if I say yes? Well, we're going to see two kind of would-be disciples that go through that process. We begin in verse 18. Now, when Jesus, Matthew 8, verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd... We'll come back to that in a moment. Around him, he circled these two words, gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Now, when Jesus saw this massive crowd, why, why does he get in the boat and want to go to the other side of the lake? For one reason, he's tired. 
Jesus got tired. You're going to see the humanity of Jesus. See, when Jesus came to this earth, he came as fully man and fully God. Jesus got tired. He said, the crowds are here. I've given out. I need some rest. Take the boat, put it out in the Sea of Galilee. Let's go to the other side. I need rest. We're human. We all need rest. You should be taking at least a day when you just kick back and do something different. Relax. We need it. Jesus did it. In the ministry, he gives us this example. But then I ask you to circle two words. What were they? Gave orders. When you see those two words, what do you think? I like it if I'm the one giving the orders. Do this, do that, do that. I don't like it so much if somebody says to me, do that. This brings up a very important principle. Jesus gave orders. What we saw last week is he had the power over sickness. He had the power over demons. Those two words we talked about, power, God's power and authority, the, the right to exercise it. He just said the sickness be gone. He said the demons be gone. We see in this passage, he had the power or a power over disciples, his followers. You say, what well, does it mean there were robots? No, no. Let me explain. You see, we know from the nature of God, he is all-powerful. He can do anything he wants. He could say to you and me today, do this, and he could force you to do it. Now, some of you, I know, don't believe that. Uh, don't test him. Could he do it? By the way, the Bible says one day he will. It says in the end time, when it's too late, every knee will bow. I'm not going to bow. Oh, yes, you will. So what does that mean? He said to his disciples, get in the boat. We're going over. Get the boat. He didn't say it nasty. It was just a command. Get the boat. Well, he does have power over us. He has power over you. He could make every single person in this room a follower, a Christian today. He could do it. But when it comes to your right to choose he does not exercise his authority. So every single person must make a choice to either follow him or not follow him. That's called free will. We choose ourselves. But in this particular case, you see that he is not going to go against a person's free will, but these disciples wanted to obey him. Now, the word crowd, notice, you'll see often when Jesus is around, you see these two terms. You'll see them over and over again in the Bible. Crowds, and you see another term called multitudes. What does that mean? Well, first of all, we have to understand that not everybody that followed Jesus really followed Jesus. Many people simply followed him physically, but they never really became spiritual followers. They loved his teaching. They loved his miracles. They loved the excitement. But when it came time to make a real commitment, a radical commitment of obedience, well, many of the crowd just left. When Jesus one day, we'll see this later, laid out what it would be to follow him, it says the crowd diminished. So when you see crowd, don't assume that all of those people in the crowd are really followers. In fact, we'll see today, he even, he even calls one of these individuals a disciple, but he's not really a disciple. He's never really got on board. We're introduced now to two people, 
live people that were there who had been hearing the teaching, watching the miracles, and there I call them would-be followers. Let's begin verse 19. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. All right, let's back up. Talk. What is a teacher of the law? That would be a scribe, somebody that was brilliant and very learned in studying the Old Testament. He had been in the Jewish church forever. He was, he was a, a very learned person. Now, if you're Jesus, who are your followers up to this point pretty much? bunch of fishermen, <laughs> pretty soon a tax collector, nobody educated, nobody in school. And here's a guy who's like a PhD. You can just say, hey, this is going to look pretty good to the following here, baby. We got a PhD on board. <laughs> Jesus ain't interested in a PhD. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a PhD, but he's not interested. Now, how wide open was... Jesus didn't come to the, to the scribe and say, follow me. The scribe came to Jesus and said, I'm going to follow you. How, how, how broad was his commitment right there? What, did, were there any hindrances when he said, I'll follow you? Take a look at it again. How broad was it? I'll follow you what? Wherever you go. Is, is that limiting? No, he says... You go, I'll follow. That's incredibly broad. Now, why? Why would a teacher of the law, a religious man, spend his whole life getting to here? Why would he drop it, leave it all behind, and risk everything by following this radical man called Jesus? Why would he do that? Because his whole religious life had been nothing but dead religion. It was ritual. It was form. It had no life in it at all. Do you know this morning that across our United States, there are many people hungering for a real relationship with Jesus Christ. They're tired of dead religion. Nothing wrong with form. And from time to time, I'll have people come in, even from other churches in all different areas, had them from everywhere. And they'll just say this, listen very kindly, and it's not about us. They'll say, we hear or see what's happening here. And you you just adding more parking lots, more buildings. But in, in our church, it's why. That's why. Because form doesn't tell you how to live. You see, when you leave this place, I don't just give you information. I try to say to you, here's how. You've heard me say many times, after teaching today, if you have to leave here and go, what was that about? That was a waste of an hour and a half. I mean, the chapel chicks were good, but that last hour? <laughs> that's what's happening. So that's what was happening in this guy's life. He said, I had enough of this dead religion. 
And he makes this incredible statement to Jesus. I'll simply follow you wherever you go. Well, what's Jesus' response going to be? Look at verse 20. And Jesus said, glad to have you. Come on, start walking. Well, you probably noticed by now that we're very wealthy. Everybody that follows me is very prosperous. It's God's will for every follower of Jesus Christ. We're all rich. By the way, tonight we have reservations at one of my favorite places in Jerusalem. We're staying at the Jerusalem Ritz-Carlton. The view is incredibly awesome. And there's this all-you-can-eat buffet. Oy vey, to die for. It's incredible. <laughs> well, that's what a lot of people thought. You see, up to this point, there wasn't too much opposition to Jesus. He was the end thing. It was in the papers everywhere. And the crowds were amassing. Now, we would think, looking at this scribe, in his comments, he says, I'll follow you anywhere. We're probably thinking, praise God, he got it. He saw the difference between dead religion and a relationship. This is incredible. But see, Jesus saw beyond the statement. He saw the man's heart. He sees your heart this morning. And he knows our motives. And so Jesus kindly gives a whole different picture than what I just gave you. Verse 20. Jesus replied, foxes have holes. In other words, when the fox goes home tonight, he has a place to sleep. It's a hole in the ground, but that's where foxes sleep. And birds of the air have nests. The bird has a place to sleep tonight. He has a nest. But the son of man, me, I got no place to lay my head. You see, Jesus was saying to the man, you don't get it. It looks good now, but you don't have the whole picture. Now, Jesus wasn't saying this. You know, see, this man and the crowd thought it was like an infomercial. You know, you see the infomercials and you go, I got to have one of those. They're incredible. You know, the ab thing and all that jazz and all you do is get a bad back and you just gets broader. And all the little things you see, most of it's garbage. And so all the people are looking and they're going, wow, this is incredible. Let's get on board right now. Early on, early on. You know, this has got to be a peer meeting thing. If we're early on, we're in the group, man. We're in the group. Jesus goes, whoa, time, time, time. Now, notice Jesus isn't saying this. You know, I'm homeless. If you serve God, you're going to be homeless. It's a really miserable thing. I don't have any place to stand. I mean, I can't even get in a nest. And I don't even have a hole in the ground. You still want to come follow God? It's terrible. He's not saying that. What he's saying is this. You don't understand. You don't have the whole picture. He says, uh, tonight, I'll be staying in somebody's home. But at the moment, I don't even know who. Now, we know that Jesus many times stayed at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they were fairly wealthy people. But see, from night to night, Jesus, listen, he wasn't concerned where he was staying. He was traveling through. Well, Pastor Mark, we're not traveling through, are we? Yes. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm not homeless, but he says, I don't have property. I don't have a home to go to. Uh, I'm not looking for your sympathy. I'm not a homeless man, but I am trying to say to you something very important. I learned this about 13 years ago, 14 years ago. I have it written in my Bible. You should write it in your Bible. Here's a statement. This is what Jesus is saying. He says to the man, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to follow Jesus, but it costs you more 
not to follow Jesus. He says, you don't have the picture. You think it's all this. It's awesome. It's great. Popularity. In thing. Wrong. There's hard times ahead. There's going to be difficult times ahead. But what are you going to say eventually to the man is this. Well, it is going to cost you to follow me. But in the end, it's going to cost you a lot more if you don't follow me. And see, in our drive-through mentality, Mick Church, we just give me the Happy Meal and keep going. We don't realize the end result of eating Happy Meals. We end up at the Mick Hospital. (laughs) So that's what Jesus is saying to the man. Now, he isn't saying that the Christian life isn't exciting. It is. It's incredible. It's wonderful. It's filled with fulfillment because that's what we were made to do. It's filled with joy. It's filled with excitement. But there are trials. There are difficult times. There are times that are tough. So all he says to the man is, you're making an emotional spur of the moment decision. He says, be careful. Be careful. It's not going to last. Because when the first speed bump comes, you're out of here. And so he says, good intentions don't really count. So what was the man's mistake? What was Jesus saying? What was the solution? Here's, you'll see it. Number one, the mistake. Too hasty a commitment. Emotional response to the gospel. Saying, come on, serve, without the balancing. I think we have to be very careful in our churches that we don't appeal just to emotion. Many times you see this. You'll see this at the end of something like, just say, Jesus came into my heart, get your certificate, and say that you're a member of the church, have a nice life, and go to heaven. Now, that's not it at all. Let me show you how this works. How many of you that are following Jesus now wished you would have started to follow Jesus sooner in your life. Let me see your hand and hold it up. Look around. Look around. Now, why is it? Because it's a horrible life. I feel like a martyr all the time. That's what I was made to do. No, you do that because it's an incredible life. In spite of the difficulty, in spite of the hurts, in spite of the storm, it's an incredible life, isn't it? Isn't it? It's incredible. And so... We have to say to folks, it's going to cost you. There is a cost, but it's worth it. Not that there isn't a cost. And so what you see is the mistake is a hasty commitment, just emotional. So I'm going to follow Jesus. Then it never lasts because here comes a trial. Well, where's Jesus? What do you mean we're not staying in the Ritz? We're staying in the Motel 6 tonight instead of the Ritz? And that's the damaging false teaching That every Christian has to be prosperous or you don't have enough faith. You know, that's amazing. You take that teaching to India, it don't preach. You take it to Africa, it don't preach. Because it's not true. So what's the solution? Stop, count the cost, but then follow. It's not stop the cost and don't follow. It's stop, count the cost. Okay, now you understand. It's going to cost you something. It's worth it. Join us. Here we go. Each and every one of us is confronted with the age-old question of what our calling in life is. As much as we get hung up on the here and now of family, hobbies, and career, Pastor Mark took this question to a much higher level in today's message. 
In our study, we learned about how each of us has been created for the ultimate calling of following Christ, the Redeemer of mankind. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Perhaps there was a time that you started a major project or took on a goal that didn't quite turn out as expected. This often leads to figuring out how to better approach further projects and to better prepare for what it will cost to complete it successfully. In our next message, Pastor Mark will teach on the importance of counting the costs of the ultimate goal that you were created to achieve, becoming a disciple of Christ. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.